Welcome to the first episode of Earwig Serials. I'm your host, Tyler McNamara, and for the next 38 episodes of Season 1, I'll be reading from my book, The Mother of Dark Space, about the author. Talking is not something I'm very comfortable with, talking about myself even less so. But this journey we're embarking on together has to be based on trust and rooted in vulnerability. So, this is me. I'm an autodidact like Hemingway, Melville, and Bradbury, to name a few, which is my fancy way of name-dropping and saying that I was unschooled in the same breath, but also to pay my respects to the greats who helped shape my unique writing voice. I work as an apprentice electrician and attend trade school at night. I don't have much time to record these, but I'll do my best to produce them weekly. The Mother of Dark Space has been a labor of love and has taken me the better part of seven years to write. It's been shaped by seven major edits and many minor ones, by two beta releases and a professional editor. It's on target to be in print in 2017. Back cover. Set in a future not unrecognizable from our own, Ray is a brilliant scientist striving for fame in a male-dominated, science-driven society. Her personal assistant, Ashley, is also trying to get recognized, but finds himself overshadowed and underappreciated. Controlling both of their fates is the famous or perhaps infamous, Everett Evermore, founder of Evermore Industries, the newest R&D facility in the Nile Fosse Terradome on Mars. Prologue. The Storm. Ray. Mom, Mom, guess what? I got accepted to the doctorate program at the University of Mars. They're even giving me a travel scholarship. Deborah's face puckered as she tried to wrap her mind around the sourness of what Ray had said or what she'd just heard, which could have been anything. Ray felt her chest ache and collapse inward, as if Ray had just presented some useless piece of paper and Deborah was crinkling it up to throw it away. Mars? Deborah said. I thought you wanted to work with animals. She was referring to Ray's first and long-abandoned interest in animal behavior. Do they even have animals on Mars? They do. Mostly livestock, but that's not... I don't understand why you don't want to stay here and work with livestock. The feedlots in Tennessee could really use someone with your talents. If I wait a minute, she'll change the subject, Ray thought. You won't make a big deal about coming home for Christmas, will you? You're my only family left. Deborah, Ray said, still pissed from her initial reaction and now fuming as her mother wedged a crowbar of guilt between them. It's a three-month trip during opposition, the point when Mars is closest to us, and that only occurs every two years. Once I'm there, I'm staying there. What about when you finish school? Ray imagined herself eventually working for Kander and Jensen Laboratories, but even if they wouldn't take her, there were more research and development companies moving to Mars every opposition. Rachel Michelle Dahlia, are you telling me this is goodbye forever? You're planning to go die on Mars and get buried in some little green sarcophagus? No, of course I'll come back. I'm just not sure when, or what would ever entice me to. Deborah was quiet for a long time, during which the grimace never left her face. Well, I hardly think goodbye is even appropriate. More like, see you soon, because I'm sure I'll see you in a few months after you've been there and realize how much you hate it. That was over two years ago. Ray wasn't sure who had stopped calling whom, but between Deborah's constant disapproval and the minutes of lag due to the sheer distance of the two planets, they hadn't spoken for some time. Dear Deborah, Ray thought, writing a text in her mind she was sure she'd never send, you were wrong about Mars. I love it here. In fact, I can't wait to return to Nile Fosse and the big city under the dome. I got that job at Kander and Jensen Labs I was telling you about. Nothing big, just as a research assistant, but it means I get to travel outside the Terradome to an ancillary lab at the South Pole. 
I'm one of two microbiologists on the team, so I'm pretty important. Though the work is mostly looking through a microscope at frozen CO2 samples, the idea of maybe finding a Martian organism keeps things pretty exciting. It's pretty tight quarters down here, but not as bad as on the shuttle to Mars. And every three weeks, they send me back to Nile Terradome for a week off. Ray sat on the edge of her bed in her small white bunk room and thought, God, wouldn't it be nice to have a normal fucking conversation like that? Something real dry and boring where I'd get to lie about how shitty this job is. And then she'd tell me about what the neighbors are up to, and never even mention how lonely she is, or how nice it must be to be breathing fresh air all the time. A text chimed and drew her attention. A. Manfield. Report to the rover room. There's another blizzard approaching, and we need your help monitoring it while we finish the mission. R. Dahlia. On my way. What a bunch of tech jocks, Ray thought, shaking her head as the scientists gathered around the rover control station. Their eyes were glued to his screens as if they were watching some championship game, but the screens were boring. Each displayed a different angle of a hollow drill slowly descending into frozen CO2. The real performance was watching Rockwell, the rover technician, who had just as much, if not more, experience in ballet than robotics. His delicate body motions were watched by full-spectrum motion capture cameras, communicated to the rover approximately 200 meters away and the rover fed back hundreds of data points of information to his elbow-length haptic gloves. Rockwell described the gloves as feeling like it was his actual hands plunging through the ice. When the drill felt pressure, he swore he could feel it in the bones of his arms. Dr. Manfield, the principal researcher at Cantor and Jensen Laboratories, and Ray's boss, turned his head and caught her watching Rockwell. He walked over to her and loudly whispered, Miss Dahlia, you have been given the very simple, yet very important task of monitoring that radar screen. We need to get the rover to safety before that blizzard hits, or we'd risk damaging or destroying a very sensitive and very expensive piece of Dr. Kander's property. Do you understand? My name is Dr. Dahlia. Excuse me? Never mind, just watch the radar. Pig. Once the storm hit the mouth of their cannon, the cabatic force would increase the wind speed by hundreds of kilometers per hour and drop the temperature to somewhere around negative 80 degrees Celsius. The driving force of frozen carbon dioxide flakes would entomb the rover, and the pressure drop would likely cause the sensitive ice core samples to explode. The storm is entering the Prometheus Basin, she warned. ETA 10 minutes. Rockwell, barely moving his lips, said, I only need five to get back to the hangar. I can't rush this. The drill is under a lot of strain but I can almost guarantee this is going to be a premium sample. The promise that this would be a good sample affected her as well. Maybe this will be the one. Maybe I'll be the first person to discover life on Mars. Or, more accurately, an intact chromosome from Martian Haloarachia. Ray's mind started to swim with the possibilities that would open up for her with that kind of fame. Candor would certainly make her principal researcher, and she'd have the freedom to drive research in whatever direction she chose. Then she realized that running her own department would come with the added responsibility of managing a team, and the thought soured. I like the idea of assigning someone to run menial experiments, but having to manage their personalities and moods sounds terrible. And what if they don't trust me? It's not worth the risk, Manfield declared. Pull out. Doctor, I'm almost there. Just one more minute, Rockwell begged. The geologist chimed in. Manfield, think of the revenue this sample could generate for K&J Labs. He looked at the radar screen in front of Ray. Look at that. The storm is still a ways away. By my estimate, we've got a half an hour at least. Ray shook her head. You're underestimating the cabatic force. 
Trust me, I've been watching. Last I checked, you weren't a meteorologist. Manfield placed a hand on Ray's back as if trying to shield her. The gesture made her feel vulnerable and unclean. With his other hand, he made a dismissive gesture at the geologist, and to the technician said, Terminate the dig. Abandon the mission. Return to the hangar. Rockwell sighed. Yes, of course, Dr. Manfield. Sorry. And began slowly, yet much faster than before, lifting his hands and the drill from the cold Martian ice. Once it had been fully extracted and tucked away in its travel position, the technician curled his hands as if around invisible joysticks, and by the movement of his wrists the rover responded by turning in place and trundling back toward the hangar. Manfield pointed at the geologist and another scientist who Ray had yet to be introduced to. You two are the welcoming community. Suit up and get to the hangar. Check the drill, Rockwell called after them. If we're lucky, a piece of that sample broke off in the bit. Two minutes later, the weather buoy in Prometheus Basin sent a red alert that popped up on Ray's radar station. The blizzard was moving much faster than anticipated and was almost bearing down on Chasma Australe. It's coming. Arrival in maybe three, maybe four minutes, she called out. But Dr. Manfield had already left for the hangar, leaving her alone with Rockwell. Ray quickly texted Manfield the alert, stood, and walked over to the screens. Two of the monitors showed the rover's front-facing view. After traveling about a hundred meters, the first tiny flakes of frozen CO2 started to blow past the rover and created the illusion that it had started moving backward. The third monitor faced behind the rover and watched as the long canyon behind it vanished in a wave of white. Rockwell was visibly sweating, and his eyes were locked on the screens. Don't say it, he said. Say what? Don't say drive faster. I wasn't, Ray began. Around this corner is a tight squeeze between two ice formations, and I can't thread the needle at this speed. Almost as soon as he finished the sentence, Rockwell drove the rover into a branch off the main canyon. The hangar came into view, and so did the two pillars of ice. The geologist stood between them, hacking away with a hatchet but his visor and suit was quickly being covered by CO2 frost. Drive faster, Ray commanded, as she dialed Dr. Manfield. I can't, Ray interrupted him. I heard, but if you slow down, the ravers fucked 100% of the time. This way, at least there's a chance. Miss Dahlia, unless this is, call your men back. The storm is here. In the background, she heard Manfield shouting through the geologist's comm channel. On the screen, she saw him stop chopping, turn, and run in great leaping bounds. The doors to the hangar started to disappear behind the swirling curtain of snow that blew past the rover. Drive faster, damn it! It's too narrow, the technician whined. Use the snowdrift on the left to tip it diagonally. This is a scientific instrument, not a stunt car, said Rockwell, yet he had already made the decision to try. Dahlia, Manfield screamed through her forgotten receiver, tell Rockwell not to be a hero. Did you catch that? Ray asked the technician. The gist, but something just occurred to me. The insurance. User error is covered. Negligence is not. The rover sped towards the choke point at 13 meters per second until the proximity alert flashed, followed by an unsafe speed warning, which triggered an internal failsafe that took control of the throttle, slowing the craft. The rover trudged up the frozen drift at a wholly unsatisfying pace and stalled as its front wheel slipped on the ice. Again, the rover's safety measures saved the day by giving priority to the back wheels, and it made it through despite its painfully slow speed. CO2 flurries were falling harder now, and it became impossible to see the terrain. Rockwell's only guidance was the light of the hangar. 
He punched the throttle back up to full, but sixty meters later they were met with another obstacle. The hangar door. Dr. Manfield stormed into the room. Well, Mr. Rockwell, how badly have you managed to entangle my rover? Next time, answer me when I call you. Rockwell released himself from gestural control and pushed his Omniview augmented reality glasses back up onto his forehead. Sorry, doctor, he said, not sounding sorry at all. I was focusing on getting the rover and your precious ice core samples to safety. Why'd you close the hangar doors? Manfield crossed his arms. When it was clear that you wouldn't fit, I recalled the team and sealed the hangar. Now answer my question. Zero. Zero percent entangled. The rover is just outside the hangar door. Manfield looked shocked. But there's no way. We need to... Suddenly, Ray felt the pressure increase, and in a synchronistic choreography, everyone in the team yawned to pop their ears, and the rover popped up an alert. Sample storage compartment compromised. Manfield shook his head in disappointment. The ice core samples just shattered. This mission is over. Everyone is on personal time until further notice. Somewhere nearby, a frost geyser shook the lab like a small earthquake, as if the storm, or Mars itself, was laughing at them. This has been the prologue of The Mother of Dark Space. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider following me on Twitter at Tyler R. McNamara. That's M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A. And using the hashtag M-O-D-S-Book. You can learn more about the book project at earwigpublishing.com or on Facebook at Earwig Publishing. Earwig Serials is supported by you listeners. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider becoming a monthly supporter and gain access to bonus content at patreon.com slash mother of dark space or if you'd like to make a one-time donation visit paypal.me slash earwig publishing finally i'd like to thank the artist silent partner for the use of their song frequency i'll talk to you all next week bye